Ladies and gentlemen, people of the internet, welcome back to yet another episode of Crypto Over Coffee and Happy New Year. I hope you're doing well today. And if you're new here, every Saturday, we start off the weekend right by breaking down the latest news and the hottest topics in the world of technology and cryptocurrency whilst drinking a cup of delicious coffee. Now, with that being said, in today's episode, we've got the latest BTC price analysis, Polkadot, DeFi, and our usual 404 Logic Not Found segment, of course, and a bunch of other stuff too. But before we get into all of that, let's kick it off with questions from you, the amazing folks who watch my channel. So I'm going to pull those up now here on the iPad. And if you want one of your questions answered, make sure that you leave them in the comments below. Tweet me at Hashoshi4 or drop them in the official Hashoshi Discord, which is linked below. And if you would be so inclined, please do subscribe to the channel now and hit the bell notification button so you get a heads up whenever I post new stuff here on the channel. Thank you for that. And let's go ahead and dive into these questions. Now, the first question of the day is you should put this series on Spotify as a podcast. And that is from Eric. And Eric, I know this is less of a question, but I've been getting this a ton. People are asking me to post crypto over coffee as a podcast so they can listen to it on the go. So ask and thou shalt receive. We now have crypto over coffee. I'll post it every single week as audio on a podcast platform. Actually, it'll be on every podcast platform that I can possibly put it on. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, all that good stuff. So I will leave a link down in the description below. Please do follow on your preferred podcast place. Just it helps the podcast get out there more. And I will also be posting some exclusive content on this podcast platform as well. So there is an incentive for folks that watch this channel to also follow and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. So check that out in the link in the description below. And thank you, Eric. The second question of the day is from uh, Jotes Doction. I, I hope that I pronounced your name correctly. Do you think DeFi will make it onto the Cardano network? And if so, what do you think will happen to ETH DeFi? I asked due to fees sometimes being ridiculous on Ethereum. So you're totally correct. The fees right now on Ethereum's proof of work network are terrible. They are terrible. There's no question about it. It is not scalable enough to handle DeFi long term. It's struggling even now. Now with Ethereum 2.0, it's going to change DeFi a lot. It's going to change the economics of DeFi. And Ethereum 2.0, regardless of what anyone says, still has the advantage in DeFi because Ethereum itself now has all of the native DeFi protocols for the most part that are the most popular. Now, there are others that are great challengers that are going to be successful, but still, I think Ethereum cannot be counted out. But with a project like Cardano that's coming through with more of a formally verified approach to programming on their network with languages like Plutus, as well as the most recent KVM launch, which is basically a Solidity compatible virtual machine so that you can port Ethereum contracts to Cardano, there will start to be DeFi projects. And I actually reported, I think a couple weeks ago, on a couple of DeFi protocols that are working to be native to Cardano, or working at least to integrate with Cardano. So it will happen. But we already have DeFi in other places. We have DeFi starting to come come across and come out in Polkadot's world, in, in the world of Cosmos, and Elrond, and a bunch of other networks that are also competing with Ethereum. And not that you don't hear about them as much, or that they're not as impressive, because they are. Quite frankly, they just don't have the user base, the user growth, or the, the volume that Ethereum DeFi dApps have today. And that's not going to change until people actually start moving over to and using these other protocols. It's not just about the programming language and letting developers build stuff. The users also have to come. 
And so that's going to be the biggest challenge. But I think Cardano, Elrond, Polkadot, Cosmos, Zilliqa to an extent, there are a handful of projects, quite a few out there that I think could take market share in the DeFi space and that have really unique breeding ground for different and unique DeFi projects. So thank you for your question. The next question is from Matt McBride. Good stuff as always. Thank you. Do you have any updates on UBT? So that is Unibright. For anyone who's not familiar, Unibright is essentially, I think a lot of people call it the WordPress of the crypto world or of blockchain. It's a, an abstraction layer or a set of a, a very abstracted tools that help non-technical users create robust decentralized applications, adopt blockchain applications for themselves, and to actually build stuff with blockchain. And excuse the horn, I'm right next to the window. Now, the ultimate truth about Unibright right now is that they are in a really heavy building phase. They've accomplished a lot since 2017 when they came into the space. And they've really, they had a great year in 2020, but now in 2021, the focus is going to be getting people to adopt and continue to develop on the great platform they have with the baseline protocol, the very enterprise focused um, public private blockchain mesh layer that baseline protocol is uh, going forward for people. So they're going to be trying to get different enterprises, different small, medium and large businesses to start using baseline protocol. And they're going to be expanding those things this time of year, close to the new year, the holiday season, right up up to it, right up until the holiday season. There's a lot of news and then there's kind of a lull as the first quarter of the new year happens. So we're going to start to hear more probably as the first quarter really gets into the swing. So probably February, March time frame, we'll start to hear more. But that is the general update, the general thought. I think Unibright has a bright future, no pun intended. And uh, yeah, hopefully that answers your question for now, but there will be more content about it uh, shortly. Uh, Next question is from Papa Lou. Very good presentation. Thank you so much. During the world chaotic conditions with politics, pandemic, do do crypto coins play a special role in this period? And what about the prospect of coin prices under such situation? And so we've talked a lot about the effects of, you know, global economic recession or global economic crisis, pandemic, politics, etc. And I think that the The thing that really reinforces the value of cryptocurrency is that, especially for things like Bitcoin, in the face of mass fiat currency debasement, which is happening all around societies that have central banks, which is basically everywhere, you start to see cryptocurrency and gold and other things, other assets as a store of value. It's a way for people to maintain and retain their wealth in the face of inflation, which then devalues the dollars or the Great British pounds or the euros that people have in bank accounts. And so that is the number one benefit and value driver. And part of the reason why you see cryptocurrency prices, especially like Bitcoin, going in the upward direction, because they're being used as a store of value. It's a safe haven in many ways from inflation. And so that's the number one thing, the economic effects of political turmoil, uh, you know, the pandemic situation, et cetera, is economic crisis. Economic crisis causes stimulus, fiat currency debasement, which causes people and institutions and businesses like MicroStrategy to move into stores of value or safe haven assets like Bitcoin and crypto. And I think that's the number one thing. But long term, It's also just another option for people. It's another option for you to exchange goods with people around the world. And I think that 
is a positive thing, not a negative thing. It's not a dangerous thing, in my opinion. So I think that's ultimately what's going to happen. You're going to see cryptocurrency increasingly used as a store of value in the short term, maybe even the long term. And then, of course, long term, there's so many other use cases and benefits that crypto can offer. But of course, it's just going to be a matter of getting them adopted and and growing and evolving the space. So thank you for your question. And the last question of the day is from Tom. If all transactions on a blockchain require newly minted blocks, what happens once the total supply of blocks runs out? This might be trivial, but I can't wrap my head around it. So Tom, this is a great question. And I actually have got, I've actually gotten questions like this before. I think the point of confusion is if you read a lot of things about Bitcoin, you hear about new supply being of the cryptocurrency, the native cryptocurrency, BTC, being minted as part of mining, right? And you have the, the halving process, which reduces the rate of inflation over time. So each block creates less and less new supply over time, that sort of thing. You see that replicated in a lot of other cryptocurrencies, a lot of them. And what that doesn't mean is that when the final bit of supply is released for fixed supply cryptocurrencies, and they are not all fixed supply, mind you, that doesn't mean that no blocks can be created from then on. It really just means that the actual creation of new supply will cease with each new block of transactions. The process of consensus and validating transactions, bundling them into blocks, making those blocks final through the consensus process, and then going on to the next one to validate transactions on the decentralized network, that does not halt and there's no limit to the number of blocks of transactions that can be created long-term over time. At least I can't think of a protocol that has done that. It wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. And so the blockchain networks will continue to create blocks, continue to validate transactions, continue to operate even in the absence of new supply being created in blocks. So I think really your confusion is just a minor conflation of blocks versus the block subsidy that is creating new supply of coins or cryptocurrency. So hopefully that covers your question. If not, feel free to leave a follow-up and I will get back to it as soon as I can. So let's go ahead and dive into the news section of the video. And just as a friendly reminder, in every video, please be aware of scammers in the comments posing as me if the comment in reply to you that looks like my account, but it doesn't have the name highlighted or you didn't get a heart on your comment, it's probably not me and you can go ahead and report them or just tag me in the comment and I will get rid of them. Also, for those who are new here every week in partnership with the folks at Kobo who make the awesome Kobo Vault wallet, I'll be giving away a Kobo tablet steel seed phrase backup device in every episode from here on out. So all you have to do to enter is just go ahead and comment on the video and I will pick a random winner each week. And just for transparency, the product is only available in the US, Canada, and Europe. So if you win and you're from another region, I'm just gonna send you Bitcoin instead. Now the winner of last week's giveaway for the Kobo is here on the screen. You see the random draw. So a big congratulations to you. And of course, I will be in touch to give you your prize. Now, as always, let's jumpstart the news section today with some Bitcoin price analysis and updates. So right up front, I have to say, what a time to be alive. And in the crypto space, especially what a time to be alive. On New Year's Eve, the price of one Bitcoin climbed close to the coveted 30K market value, lapping recent all-time highs on the way up. We had a nice run of matching numbers there from you know the 25th seeing 25K, the 26th seeing 26K and so on, but all good things must, must come to an end, of course. But in all seriousness, these prices are prices I never thought we would reach in the calendar year of 2020. And to be honest with you, it only goes to prove that a 
broken clock is right twice a day in terms of price predictions. Those who are bearish will cry victory when there are pullbacks in the market, and those who are bullish will cry victory when prices are rolling to new all-time highs. And the truth is, no one really knows where we're going to go from here, and any prediction is simply a shot in the dark. Now, there are two cases, though, that I see for Bitcoin, a couple of different ways it can go. One is a price pullback due to stifling regulations abroad and in the United States, which have been sort of brewing and been in the news a little bit. And these are shambolic, ill-advised, and poorly designed regulations at best. My hope is that these individuals wake up and smell the coffee, pun intended, but we shall see. However, on the flip side, the supply constraints of Bitcoin are starting to really pour kerosene on the bull run fire. Reports of the institutional crypto investment firm Grayscale Capital buying up three times the new available supply created from mining in December just shines a spotlight on this whole concept writ large. If the appetite around the investor market for Bitcoin continues to outstrip the rate of inflation by way of mining, it would be reasonable to believe that Bitcoin's price will continue to steadily rise in the face of that demand supply curve. We shall see. Now, in light of the new year, though, let's talk about some of the biggest winners and biggest losers of 2020 overall. And of course, this is not an exhaustive list. It's going to trigger debate. So please do leave your biggest winner and biggest loser down in the comments below. Of course, 2020 was a tough year for almost everyone in some way or another with a massive black swan price implosion for basically all assets across the board in March 2020. But anyone who held on or even bought in boldly 2020 turned out actually kind of nicely, and one of the biggest winners would probably be Bitcoin believers, no doubt, who saw several hundred percent growth in their portfolio as Bitcoin came to life at the end of the year. However, some other projects really deliver this year as well and came back to life themselves. One of those would be Polkadot, which went live in mainnet and has had a great end of year. And the same goes for Zillica, who have beat expectations in many ways with some great updates like their new swap protocol and their staking mechanism. I also can't forget Cardano, who finally launched Shelly Staking and Incentives, which has been long awaited, or Elrond, who also dropped a huge mainnet launch this year. However, there were of course some who did not do so well this year or who made some big mistakes. And the one that comes to mind directly right up front would be Ledger who have had sustained negative media attention as a result of their terrible data breach in 2020, which only seems to continuously get worse as more information comes out about it. And you could also say that Ripple has just drawn every short straw in 2020 possible, with big partnerships not turning out to be as great as they thought, and then the big end cap for 2020 being an SEC enforcement action against the XRP cryptocurrency, I guess, distribution. But most of all, the biggest losers of 2020 are those who have promised, guaranteed, and evangelized only bearish and negative outlooks for Bitcoin and crypto throughout the year. Not only were these people so laughably incorrect in their predictions, the constant doubt has done little but galvanize the innovation happening in the crypto space overall. Even those who have not done so well in 2020, though, could very well come back in 2021 and be resurgent. We've seen it so many times in the space, so you can't count anyone out for good. 
Now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for 404 Logic Not Found. And for those of you who are as of yet uninitiated in this little firecracker of a segment, I highlight notable tech-related fails or otherwise stupid moves in the world that need to get some attention. And of course, speaking of attention, if you want to help this video get some attention from the YouTube algorithm gods or robots, please do hit that like button down below and get subscribed to the channel because it tells those robots that you're enjoying what you're watching and other people might also enjoy watching it as well. So thank you so much in advance for that. Now, today's absence of logic is brought to you by the Hishoshi Fund for Crypto Living Rent-Free and Haters Minds Fund. Now, everyone's favorite cryptocurrency bottom caller and hater, Noriel Rubini, has yet again doubled down on the quote-unquote crypto is for criminals rhetoric in debate on Twitter with a crypto-focused lawyer, Jake Chervinsky. Now, this Twitter debate was actually quite entertaining, and if you can still find it, I recommend reading through the threads. Now, if you've watched my channel, you know that I really don't like illogical arguments. I created this segment largely because of that. But secondly, I'm very much against ad hominem's attacks or ad hominem attacks in debates. Now, here is a quote courtesy of Cointelegraph's article about the same that I think you'll find interesting. Quote unquote. Biden's team, starting with Yellen, who was my boss at CEA, will crack down on this criminal tax evading and AML KYC TFC evading crypto slash blank coins cesspool much more than Mnuchin. Get a life as you have become a crypto hired gun cheerleader slash enabler. Now, not only is this statement backed by zero logical argument on behalf of Noriel Rabini, it is a devolved ad hominem attack against the opposing person, not the opposing person's argument. It's sad, truly sad to see this type of foolishness unraveling amongst people who should be professionals. The main problem, though, is neither of those things. It's that people, including Noriel, continue to propagate this false narrative that crypto is for criminal tax avoiding evil people. Let me be clear, I do not claim to have exact statistics for all of this, but I am confident in the picture those statistics would paint if I did have them. I'm willing to bet that if you had a true picture of the total value in money laundered, taxes avoided, and the percentage of crimes perpetrated with funding from fiat currencies like USD, GBP, Euro, Canadian dollar, and the like, it would be strikingly and dramatically higher across the board than the same with cryptocurrency. One such statistic I could find was from a Chainalysis report, which showed that for every dollar laundered in Bitcoin, around $800 was laundered with cash. Now, I'm not saying regulation will not come. It will. I'm not saying no crime happens with crypto. It does. But the far greater evil in the two is fiat money, fiat cash around the world. Noriel Rubini and the others who seem to continue to engage angrily with individuals and communities with these false narratives truly do not appear to be arguing from a position of fact. So 404, logic not found. Now in other news, it's been another week and of course, yet another DeFi exploit that has resulted in chaos. This week, the up and coming DeFi protocol cover protocol was exploited by a hacker who targeted the staking slash farming contract to mint 40 quintillion tokens in one fell swoop. That is not a fixed supply, driving the price of cover down nearly 100% in a short period of time. Now, whenever I cover these DeFi exploits, I try and stop short of going after the projects personally, because often they're victims just the same. The truth is, though, that it's also users who must bear some responsibility in mitigating their own risk. Knowing these things can and will often happen when you're entering into these cutting-edge 
arguably not so well built DeFi protocols sometimes can leave you if you're someone who is overextended in the DeFi flavor of the day with massive losses. Now I cover these stories because I learned from these exploits and what not to do, but also I can continue to highlight the risks for people so they can understand the ever-present risks that are often advertised instead as get-rich-quick schemes in DeFi. DeFi can be extremely lucrative. It can make you extreme money, but it can also lose you a lot. So be aware of that going into any of these projects with a bag full of crypto. Now, in other news, Polkadot, the cross-chain interoperability protocol founded by former Ethereum guru Gavin Wood, has had a great year in 2020. The network's mainnet has garnered massive participation in staking of the native DOT coin, and a wide variety of independent validators, I think close to 300 now, are running on the network, and they're responsible for the security of the network itself. So things are going according to plan. Now that said, 2021 is going to be arguably the most impactful year yet for the project, with true cross-chain interoperability being the focal point for Polkadot developers. The idea is to truly facilitate transactions between a multitude of disparate blockchains and begin to bring the entire ecosystem together into one cohesive network. That said, one of the critical integration points will be with Ethereum and subsequently the Ethereum 2.0 network that is forthcoming. So the blockchain network protocol framework and SDK that Polkadot has built called Substrate really helps developers create their own blockchains compatible with Polkadot much more quickly and easily. That's being updated now to version 3.0 with native Ethereum compatibility, which will surely help garner adoption from the large community of Ethereum developers out there and is probably a really smart move to make all the tooling compatible as well. So Polkadot is one of the projects that I am most excited about in 2021, and I will surely keep you informed of anything that comes up. Now, I know with this next story that there are a bunch of people who don't want to hear it, and there are a lot of macho internet LARPers or live action role players who want to comment and always tell me, hey, I don't pay taxes, they're illegal, Hishoshi, you're a state apologist, and I get it all the time. But that type of nonsense is not a replacement for the reality that it is tax time these days, and crypto transactions are taxable in virtually every place on earth. I do not care if you hate me for relaying this fact to you. I dislike taxes as much as anyone, but I'm not deluded enough to believe that my personal thoughts about taxes make me exempt from taxes. So to each their own, feel free to turn off the video, but this is the truth. If you speak to any tax professional, crypto tax professional specifically, the song is the same. The tax man is coming, and their crosshairs are around the world on crypto tax avoiders. I say this because one of the biggest sources of stress for me over the years was figuring out how to properly track and manage my own cryptocurrency taxes to make sure I was doing them correctly. So as time went by, it became so complex as new protocols came out, staking and all sorts of stuff, and I could no longer track it in an Excel spreadsheet. It was no longer viable. And what eventually saved me was two particular tax services online, and that would be Cointracker.io and Zen Ledger. I use both of these services to track different cryptocurrency portfolios, and they make my life so much easier. So if you're stressed about crypto taxes this year, or you have no idea where to start, head over and check these services out. I'll leave links in the description below. I'm not sponsored by either one of these, by the way. I'm just sharing them because I use them, and neither of them are particularly expensive. But what they will do is take the guesswork out of the process by letting you import your transactions directly from exchanges and wallets into these services. And then all the calculations and little decisions you can make like LIFO versus FIFO in terms of your accounting mechanism, they're all done for you. So it's like the TurboTax or H&R Block for crypto. 
Just wanted to throw that out there if you're interested, and of course, no pressure. And with that, folks, I want to wish you and your family a happy, happy new year. And if you do have some time to stick around, please do check out this video here on the screen about some of my favorite altcoins for 2021. That said, thank you so much for watching. And until next time, cheers. Thank you.